senior pastors. They had to drive to a wedding uh, in Missouri, but we have a message from Jim about some updates uh, that kind of we have come down the pipeline here at Zion. So I'm going to go ahead and play this video. Hey Zion, coming to you here from Springfield, Missouri with this brick wall right here. Mary and I are gone this weekend at a family wedding, so we miss you guys, but wanted to make you aware of a couple things. And so, as you know, if you've been with us for a while, part of our vision is to be an extended family on a mission. Maybe you heard us call it eFoam, jokingly. But part of that has been revival communities to help us connect in communities to enlist in those little platoons. And so we've taken off, we used to take off two Sundays a month, and now we're taking off one Sunday a month. But kind of a parallel with that is we've got the momentum of our Sunday morning services. And one of the challenges with taking off Sundays is it breaks that momentum. It's kind of like you get moving and then all of a sudden, boom, there's this big lull. And so, especially since Word and Spirit Week, there's been a wonderful momentum in the spirit of just God's presence, of healings, and then, boom, we've got another week off. And so, as you guys know, there's five Sundays. Uh, that happens three, four times a year. So that's a 21-day break when we've got week four, week five, and then another Sunday off. And so that happens four times a year. So we've just been praying as a staff, how do we steward the momentum that we have? And so here's where we're at. We're actually going to be going, starting in July, to every Sunday. So 52 Sundays a year to really kind of steward that momentum. And so we've got some creative ideas for our, our revival community groups. Listen, you guys can, if you're meeting on Sunday mornings, you can continue meeting on Sunday mornings as your group and meet on off days. And so uh, connect with Brian and Jim and uh, getting creative on that. But wanted to make you guys aware of that. And so here's what that means is we're having more Sundays, so we're going to need more help as well. So if you call Zion your home church, I'm just asking you to do what family does, is roll up your sleeves, get involved. There's a sheet that's getting passed out that you can look at different areas where you can get involved. But, um, you know, this is a, this is a um, how do you say it? This is a, a battleship, not a cruise ship. So if you've been cruising for a while and getting touched by God, well, I'll ask you to roll up your sleeves and help other people get touched by God. Because you're literally creating the atmosphere uh, before they ever hear the first song. So we love you guys. Lots of ways to get involved. We're praying for you. I can't wait to see you next Sunday. We'll pick up with the healing series, and uh, Sean will give you updates about all the exciting stuff happening with our building. Bless you guys. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you shrunk for a second. I thought there was more. Well, hey, this this is something that uh, you know. <laughs> I'm, there's no way I can talk while he. Okay, uh, that that we've we've been praying about and just seeking God on and getting counsel and speaking to leaders about. And uh, we're just really ready. We're really excited to kind of launch back into more of an every Sunday approach. Our revival communities aren't going away. Some of them might pivot to a weekday meeting now, maybe a, a weekday night to get together. And so we're putting more structure uh, and, and support around that as well. So we're just really excited. Um, Jim mentioned something about a dream team. So uh, what that is, is do you guys get these when you guys came in today? If you, if you, if you didn't, there's some in the lobby. Um, but what, if you need one, just raise your hand. Jen can pass them out for you. What this is, is opportunities to serve. So dream teams are um, where you can, might be able to serve in the church. And uh, maybe it's kids ministry. Maybe you're just interested in learning more about welcome teams or, or ministry teams. If you just have interest to learn more, um, what you want to do is fill this out. And in the lobby today, when you exit, there's going to be a basket that you can just put this right in and uh, we'll sign you up for life. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but someone will reach out to you and just kind of give you the scoop. Okay, hey, this is what um, this ministry is about. Here's what we're looking for help in and maybe here's some opportunities for you to consider uh, being part of it. So again, if you haven't served in a while, I just, I just recommend grabbing this, pray over it. If you know right away, like, oh yeah, I would love to help with like security team or welcome team or ministry teams, 
make sure you let us know. We'd love to help you get more information and get involved. I know our kids' ministries will definitely need some help. Um, our kids' ministries, they do such a great job of training our youth and our kids in the presence of Jesus. And, um, you know, that, that takes adults to be in the room sometimes. Uh, so I just recommend, if you've never served in kids' ministry, give it a shot. Maybe you serve once or twice a year, but that once or twice a year is really pouring into uh, our kids and what God's doing in those rooms. So, um, yeah, so just some things to consider there. Go ahead and fill that out on your way out today and put it in the basket, and we'd love to get you, get you some more info. So, okay, are you guys, you guys good? Yeah. You guys doing good today? Yeah. I'm excited to be here this morning. Um, someone told me this morning, I did not even know it, but today is Pentecost Sunday. And so what that means is this is kind of that, that 40 days after Easter um, that we see just an outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, in the book of Acts. And so I'm going to have my friend and, uh, and pal Roger Legg. I'm going to invite Roger to, to, to come on up. And uh, one of the things I love about Roger, he is our media team director and pastor. Um, Roger is such a kind of an Old Testament uh, savant and student. And I just love uh, seeing the pictures of Jesus that he's able to pull out of the Old Testament. And uh, this morning during uh, kind of pre-service prayer, um, as is our custom, Roger came in with the word of the Lord for us, and we just we were just really appreciating some insight. So, Roger, give us some context as to what the Old Testament picture is to the New Testament of this kind of sure. forty days after the resurrection. So, you know, it is Pentecost Sunday, so that's an exciting thing, right? You know, and so we were just talking in staff staff before uh, service that. You know, a lot of the Old Testament festivals and feasts and things that they did, Jesus fulfilled that on the cross. You've heard Pastor Jim talk about that as well. And so it wasn't an accident when Jesus gave his life and died, you know, and, and died on the cross. In the streets of Jerusalem, they were celebrating. Sorry, I ran up here. <laughs> they were celebrating the Feast of Passover, right? And so when the lamb uh, was being sacrificed ritually, Jesus was the actual real lamb that was given his life. Well, it's also not an accident that 50 days later in the streets of Jerusalem, they were celebrating the Feast of Pentecost, right? But in an upper room, there were 120 gathered. And as they were celebrating the ritual, the actual happened and the Holy Spirit fell upon those and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, it's, it's so cool that we have Jesus today. We have him with us. And so we, we get to experience the real. And so I just kind of thought to myself, let me make sure in my life I've not let it become a ritual. You hear what I'm saying? I'm, not, I'm, I'm just not going through the motions any longer. Mm. But I want to experience, I want to feel the real. I, I, I have the real, I have the real ark. I have the real presence of the Lord with me, 724. Amen. And so uh, we can experience Pentecost every single day that we exist. Amen. So I just was sharing that with the staff as well. Well, you know, we, we talked too about how there was the tent of David. Oh, yeah. And then okay. there was something going on with Moses and so, how it's a really interesting like, yeah. picture. So there are, there are seven temples in the Bible in the Old Testament. And David's was the first, Moses was the first tabernacle. And then God gave him the instruction to build the ark and place it in the tabernacle of Moses, and the presence of God came upon 
that ark, right? And whenever the presence left, they would move the ark to the presence of the Lord, right? And so that happened for hundreds of years. That tabernacle was in effect. Well, David comes on the scene, and he builds a tent, right? And they bring the ark back out of captivity. They put it in his tent, and the presence of the Lord shows back up. And David did something really interesting. David just kicked the sides of the tent open and said, Everybody come into the presence of the Lord. Come on in, you know. But sadly, on the mountain when they did that, on David, in the mountain there where David did that, the scriptures also tell us that on the other side of the valley, on the other mountain, there was still the tabernacle of Moses, and ritual sacrifices were still going on, and blood was still being shed, but there was no presence there, right? There was no ark that was actually there. David's was the real deal. And so it's not an accident when we come to the book of Acts and, and the prophetic word of Amos is reminded to us that in the last days, now, how do we know we're in the last days? Well, Hebrews, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not, I didn't Come mean on, to catch, are you kidding me? I, I we're about to do a second offering. This is amazing. I didn't mean to catch a preach. I'm sorry. Come on. But in the book of Amos, there's the prophetic word that says in the last days, they will rebuild the tabernacle of David. They will set it up, right? And so it's not an accident that in Acts brings that up again and says in the last days, they will set up the tabernacle of David. James brings that to their attention uh, at the council there. And here's the cool thing, right? We have that ark right now, okay? So the reason he said, I'm not trying to blow away like whole movements by this statement. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But the reason I believe James brought that to their attention, that prophetic word of Amos, was less about the idea of 24-7 worship, and it was more about the idea that there's now unfettered access to the presence of the Lord. And that we can actually, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, we carry that ark who is Christ with us. And so we have the presence wherever we go. Amen? So good. So anyway, I just was sharing that with the staff. Come on. Roger will be preaching here in a couple weeks. There's a little, little trailer of things to come. I just love that, though. I love that picture of the Old Testament pointing to Jesus. I love that picture of the presence of God. His word was unfettered. That, that now we have access to the Holy Spirit. We have access to the presence of God in a way that previous generations didn't. In a way that, that earnings and, and, and working way to the Lord, that, that, that old ritual, that old law is beginning to be wiped away, even foreshadowed in this tent of David. Amazing. How many of you guys can think in your life and, you, you know, you've had a God moment in your life? A God moment is those moments that God kind of shows up. He intersects. He intervenes. You were heading this way, and God all of a sudden shows up at that intersection. You know, those God moments can be moments that God becomes real to us in a way that he wasn't before. It could be a moment that God provides a promise that, that you've been holding on to, and now it is before you. Now it is manifest. Now he, the, the, the thing you've been waiting for has come. It could be just a, some, something as simple as, as a business meeting, someone gets an idea that saves your company money. It could be as something as simple as you just had an idea about how a friend of yours needs some love. You just had an idea how you're going to meet that need. You just had an idea about how that person who's struggling, an opportunity they might be blessed with. 
It could be you're, you're in a position that you're, you've, been, you've been sick, and all of a sudden, God comes with that healing for you in the moment. It could be your mind just feels depressed, and God just breathes that breath of hope over your, over your heart and over your mind. How many of you recognize a God moment in your life? You know, I remember so many God moments happen outside of the walls of the church. When I look at my life, I see so many times Jesus showing up in moments that had nothing to do with a church service. And I'm like, we're like in the business of church services, don't hear what I'm not saying. But there's something important to, to recognize. There's something important to recognize is that those God moments are there to point us to Jesus. But they're there because of what he did at the cross. But they're available every day in our life. They're available every day in our life. You know, how many of you grew up in a church environment, like you were in some sort of, of church environment growing up as a child through your adolescence? Put your hand up real, real high. I just want to get a sense of the room. Okay, so that's a, that's a lot of people in the room. So that's most people in the room. You know, when we get brought up in church environments, sometimes we begin to, 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 to connect to a form and become dependent on a form, on an expression of worship on an expression of his presence. How many of you grew up in a church, um, we're just going to, listen, I love the bride of Christ, okay, don't hear what I'm not saying right now, it's not time to just, you know, throw stones at, at church movements, but how many of you grew up in a church, let me just get a sense, that um, a, a shirt and tie was the norm? Going to church, like, like kind of, shirt and tie was the norm. How many of you grew up in a church where um, uh, you didn't bring a Bible, that you just showed up and somebody else read the Bible? Yeah, look around there. That's a, that's, a, that's a good number of people. You know, um, I love different expressions of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I love the church uh, where, you know, someone's running up and down the aisle, right? That, like, running up and down the aisle is, like, is like the, the mark of a good church service. How many of you grew up in that, in that environment? Yeah. I go to those environments. I'm like, I don't even know if I've experienced church yet. I feel like I'm just experiencing church. You know, di different expressions of of, of the kingdom of God are really important for us to, to recognize. Different expressions have unique places in the kingdom, but none of them are a template for us to just simply follow, and, and, and our God encounters are not dependent upon that form of expression. Did you know that? I want to read to you guys a little bit today, and we're going to talk about something that's really important and if we don't talk about it, what happens is it becomes, it begins to sink into a culture without knowing it. You know, there is no such thing as Jesus honoring the form. He honors the Holy Spirit. Just, just, just follow me for a moment here. Is it, is it, it's not about what you look like. How many of you know uh, the church, we're not called to be a spiritual club. We're, be, we're called to be a kingdom culture. That, that you don't have to know what clothes to wear. You don't have to be the, the one that knows all the cool, like, newest worship music. Uh, you know, and, and, and you, don't, you don't need to know three other people who dress the same way as you, who have the same social status. Listen, Jesus didn't pay a price so that we now look a certain way. He paid a price so that we could walk in freedom. Am I connecting with you guys for a moment? And here's the cool part about freedom is you have unique... You, you have freedom to uniquely express your personality. Did you know that? Yeah. That you have freedom to uniquely express how God created you to be. 
you know, one of the core values that we have here, we, we have these kind of big five that we talk about, being best friends with Jesus, being naturally supernatural, being debt-free and outrageously generous. Someone say, come on. <laughs> you know, uh, ha- having a healthy kingdom family, developing a healthy kingdom family, and discover, develop, and deploy into your destiny. Those are the big five that we want to be true of those that are part of our church community, that over time you're going to grow in each of these areas. And what I want to talk about today, real briefly, is I want to talk about being naturally supernatural. Did you know being naturally supernatural is an invitation for God to invade your everyday life? Being naturally supernatural is a call of us as believers to walk in our destiny without having to be like somebody else. Being naturally supernatural is the invitation that says to the world around us that God is approachable. I want to tell you a story. When, when I first got involved in, a, in the church environment, um, I, I can't go into it all now. You got, many of you have heard some of my story, um, but the, the short of it is uh, my family, my, my, my parents got radically saved and physically healed. If you, if you look through the archives of the 700 Club, there's a show about our family on there. Little Sean, I'm, I was like, you know, you know there's a picture of me. I, I think I was, I was a teenager. Uh, around that time, I was about 16, 17 years old, and God started to do a lot of crazy, amazing things in my family. And we didn't grow up in a church environment. We didn't grow up church at all. And it was through low points that God began to meet my family. How many of you found God will meet you in your lowest place? It's okay. God will meet you at the place that feels the darkest that it's ever been. God will meet us in those low places. And, and my parents were going through a really low place. And, and my mom was physically uh, in a really bad place. She was in and out of the hospital. She had a disease called RSD. And the short of it is uh, she, one day in the hospital room, Jesus speaks to her and says, I'm going to heal you and bring your whole family to myself. And she's in the hospital room and she's like, Jesus, who are you? She didn't yet have a relationship with Jesus. The next, the next week, her friend from high school, now my mom was in her mid-40s at this point, still a young woman, but removed from high school. Her friend from high school gave her a call and said, I'd love to invite you to a church service. Would that be something you're interested in? She's like, what? <laughs> like, Jesus just spoke to me. Yeah, I'll go. And it was a spirit-filled environment and a uh, Harvest Rock church, a very kind of come-as-you-are church. And... Uh, she goes and, and, and gives her life to Jesus, gets saved, says yes to Jesus. She was at a low point in her life. She needed, she, she needed somewhere to turn, and the only place she could turn was to Jesus. And she found out that Jesus wanted to forgive her sins and make her new. So she said, yeah, I would love for my past to be forgiven. I would love to be made new in you. I'm tired of being tormented by my life. So she says yes to Jesus. They do an altar call, which is inviting someone to come in a relationship with Jesus. Are you guys still with me? She starts going to church a couple weeks later. She starts dragging the family. Have you ever been dragged to church before? She starts dragging the family to church. My stepdad, he winds up going to church. He's there more for her. Well, every week she goes up and gets saved over and over again because no one in the church had the heart to tell her you only have to get saved once. But she just didn't have that religious thing, that religious bone in her body. She just, every time she would go forward, she would encounter Jesus. So she just thought, I'll go forward every week. I don't care. 
Well, one of those weeks they were doing a healing uh, service. That, that's where we, they, they, they preached on the, the healing power of Jesus and the availability of the Holy Spirit today to heal our bodies. And they uh, did an altar call right at the end of that, of that service. There was a guest speaker who came in. And, and again, they invite, hey, before we do that, if anyone wants to give their life to Jesus, we want to give you an opportunity to get right. So she goes forward for like the ninth time. And this time she was shocked to find my stepdad behind her. He gives his life to Jesus. Then they stay afterwards for words of knowledge. The team who was there was giving words of knowledge about conditions that God wanted to heal. So they're giving these words of knowledge out, and, and, and they, they gave a word of knowledge that was exactly my mom's condition. And so they were like, I don't know. I guess we let them pray for us. What is this? What happens now? Are you healed yet? Like, I don't know how this works. And so they stayed after and let the team pray for them. And, and in ministering to, to, to my mom, they laid hands on her. And when they laid hands on her, they began to pray. And uh, in just a, a few moments, just felt like before, uh, the, the, in the, a few moments in the prayer and before she got healed, before they really prayed for healing, the pastor just like, I just really sense that you're carrying some shame and guilt that Jesus just wants to, 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 to take from you. Do, you. do you carry any sense of shame and guilt in your life? And, you know, there were two sides of her. First, she was like, well, you know, I was brought up Roman Catholic, so yes, you know, it's like, you know. And then the other side is what they didn't know is that my mom was abused as a girl. And so she just carried lots of shame and guilt from that. And so the pastor just so gently said, would you like to give that to Jesus too? He didn't just come to, to heal you of your body or forgive you of your sins. He actually came because he purchased your shame. And she said, yeah, no one ever told me that. So she, in this, about 30 seconds, they just do this exchange, just lead her to hand these things over to Jesus and allow him to come into those spaces. About, I mean, no more than a minute later, they're like, okay, well, let's pray for this healing now. They lay hands on her, and within about five seconds, she's down on the ground like a sack of potatoes. Just, you know, right on the ground. And my stepdad's like, what, you know, like, is this good? Is this, did it work? Like, what's happening now? And she's out for like five, ten minutes. She comes to, stands up, and is completely healed. She, she came into that environment with a walker because of her disease, because of that thing that was afflicting her body. She had a walker. She walked out with him holding the walker. She goes back to the doctors that week because there's just doctors. When you're sick, doctors are just part of your life in a big way. So she goes back to her regular appointment, and they do all the tests, and they say, we do not know why you are well, but you are well. You know, we believe, come on, Jesus. So they were like, you know, we believe in the power. The doctors were like, we believe in the power of the mind. And my mom is all fired up. Now she's the feisty believer everyone's scared of. And she's like, well, I believe in the power of Jesus, and he healed me. You know, fast forward, you know, I'm in this place where I'm seeing Jesus move. And I would be in the back of this church, and I started going to that church. And I would look around that church, and I'm, like, looking for people who are worshiping. And everyone is, is raising their hands and, 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 like, worshiping God. And I'm looking around, like, who's faking? You guys, someone's faking. There's no way this is real. Like, I'm looking around and everyone, and I couldn't find someone that looked like they were faking. And after a few weeks of doing that, the Lord began to speak to me. He says, Sean, stop looking for them. Look at me. And my heart just began to melt over time. And fast forward, I, I, I knew that I was a sinner, that I needed Jesus in my life. My parents just began to tell me how much God loved me. 
It was so much so that I thought they were like messing with me. Like they were so nice to me that I thought I was in trouble. Can anyone relate to that? Maybe you have a healthier upbringing than I did, but for me, that was something I had to like negotiate. And they just told me about Jesus, that he loves me. They told me that Jesus is real. He's not a story made up. He's not a religion. He's not at a church. He's actually here available right now, and he's real, that he's alive. And I gave my life to Jesus right before I came to university. It had a profound impact on me, seeing Jesus around me in my life. It had a profound impact on me seeing that Jesus was the carpenter in blue jeans as well as the high priest. When we talk about, am I, are you guys good? When, when we talk about being naturally supernatural, what we're talking about is making Jesus available to the least of these. Making Jesus available in your workplace. Making Jesus available in those moments of decision. Making Jesus available to people around you that have no idea that he is real and he is good and he is full of love. I didn't grow up in an environment with the shirt and tie. I don't know how to do that, but I do know how to meet Jesus. That you don't have to have the right words. You just have to have the right Jesus. Does this make sense? I'm not even in the notes, and I'm already off script, and we're already almost out of time. You can email your notes or your questions to roger.leg at zionequip. I want to read you a story of this pastor who grew up in a charismatic environment, a very Pentecostal environment. And how many of you know, y'all are in a charismatic environment, okay? This isn't a knock against charismatic environments. He, he became a Christian at a Pentecostal chapel. He says, it was loud, lively, and very expressive. He said, I was coming from a quiet Roman Catholic background, so this style took some getting used to. It's okay, you can laugh a little bit. Particularly strange the way that they prayed. Folks shouted, waved hands, and jumped around. I was told this is what it looked like when the Spirit showed up and did his thing. At first, this boisterousness didn't matter to me. I was desperate for, for whatever contact with the Spirit I could get. And if, if it meant being a little weird, so be it. And so God did meet me and began changing my life. Over and over again, I would encounter the Lord. But as time went on, I began to grow more, more uncomfortable with some of the behavior around me because it just wasn't who I am. I love Jesus and the people in the church, but I didn't like the package. There was a disconnect between me and the Lord, and I needed reconciling. Slowly over time, because of my disconnect, I began to be gun-shy in the things of the Spirit. I avoided the Spirit. I began to resist anything that made me uncomfortable. I began to lose something. Finally, a few years later, I ran into John Wimber, and I saw something different. John wasn't interested in wowing the crowd. There was no hype, weirdness, or manipulation. When he ministered, he was relaxed, comfortable, and real. I was impressed by how he remained himself even while worshiping and praying. It was something he began to call being naturally supernatural. He was the same person during ministry that he was during dinner time. I learned that I didn't have to put on a spiritual persona change my tone of my voice when I prayed, or get frenzied in order for the Spirit to move. And the most significant and liberating discovery was that I could just be myself and God would still show up. I could respond to the promptings of the Spirit in my own authentic way. 
That was huge. My response to this freedom was, I can do it. I want to do it. And now I'm doing the kingdom stuff. I love different expressions of of church environments, but how many of you know there is an invitation for you to be authentic with the way you respond to him? I love seeing people shake, rattle, and roll. I lead a ministry school of the Columbus School of Supernatural Ministry. (laughs) I love it. But what I don't love is I see someone trying to be someone they're not. That you have the invitation to be radically you. If you're, if you're introverted, God wants to redeem and restore all of your introversion. He wants to bring you freedom, but he's also not going to change who you are. He likes how he made you. He actually enjoys your personality that's currently being redeemed by his presence. That's being transformed in his image. But I see people all the time where it's okay that, how, how many of you, I'll give you an example. How many of you are laugh out louders? at a movie or a TV show. Like you laugh out loud as things are occurring. Okay, my wife and I are radically different in this sense. I watch a show or, 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 or a movie and I don't even smile. And she looks at me and she is literally laughing out loud crying. I have to pause things because I can't hear what they're saying. There's tears coming down her face. She's smacking me. And I, I just have to pause and, like, let her process that moment. And then I, and then I go back and, and press play again. We're radically different. She's like, don't you think this is funny? And I'm like, I think it's hilarious. And she's like, what's the matter with you? We're just two different people. You know, you're allowed to process things differently than those around you. You can be in a church service. You can be in a worship environment where you are just... You are just in this place of quietness before the Lord, and somebody else is literally doing jumping jacks for Jesus. It's okay. Did you know it's okay? There is no pressure to be someone you're not in the kingdom. Any pressure to be someone you're not in the kingdom is authored by religion, not by relationship with Jesus. Now, he will, tra- he will change you and transform you. How many of you recognize Jesus has changed me? I'm a different person than even, even the, like what I like. I, I, it's changed over time. That's part of the deal. But you never have to be someone that you're not. My wife and I, we were out to, to eat last weekend, and um, we, we got engaged actually a year ago. And so I, I took my wife out to the place that I proposed to her, uh, it was like a beautiful day. It was actually a bridge on top of a waterfall. It's like every, you know, it's like it's like what she would want, right? It was just awesome. We had a great time. Um, when I'm driving her there, I was like, "Do you know what today is?" And she's like, "What?" I was like, "Today is the year anniversary of when I proposed to you, and I'm going to bring you to the same spot." I'm like ten feet from it. She's like, "It is." I was like, "Yes." <laughs> Your compassion for our history just warms my soul. <laughs> We're two different people. Anyway, so we wind up going there, and we just prayed. We, we, just, we, we went to that spot where I proposed and, and, and opened the scriptures up and read some things that, that we read the last time we were there, and we prayed together and just thanked God and, and, and just gave him honor for our marriage and what he's doing and the journey that we're on. And, and then I took her to the same restaurant. She didn't know. Took her to the same restaurant right afterwards. And uh, while we're there, you know, we were just, we were having a great discussion and a conversation. 
about, about the way, how, how do we walk, how do we live supernaturally? How do we live naturally supernatural? How do we live naturally supernatural? I think it's a great question to continue to pool on a regular basis. I don't think it's a subject that we know. I think it's in a conversation we explore with Jesus all the time. Jesus, what does this look like to live naturally supernatural with you? And while we're there, we're talking about things. And as is the case, uh, when we begin to talk about Jesus, Jesus begins to just can't help but show up. How many of you found that before? When you're just talking about Holy Spirit, when you're talking about Jesus, he just begins to show up. I had a friend of mine, every time that we would get together, we would have coffee, um, and we just begin to, to talk about the Lord, and not that we were trying to have a conversation about Jesus, we just both love him, and he just comes into the conversation, and we're just talking about stuff, and every time we talk about Jesus, Holy Spirit just shows up, and only the thing is with my, with my friend, every time Holy Spirit shows up, so I'm, I'm a speaker, I'm a preacher, I speak when Holy Spirit shows up, sometimes I begin to speak, I begin to speak, and I begin to teach, and I begin to preach. Does this make sense? I'm not even meaning to. It just happens. You know what happens when Holy Spirit shows up for him? He yawns. I'm not kidding. It was for years, so I'm here preaching. He, I'm like my heart out, and he's yawning, and I'm like, this is, feels weird, man, but, but I feel the Holy Spirit. What happens is this. For me, that is an expression of a gift and calling that just God constantly calls forward. And for him, he was actually learning how to enter into rest because he was struggling with anxiety. So when Jesus would show up, he would enter into rest. Where I'm getting fired up and I'm calling crowds over, you know, we're like, who else wants to know Jesus today? <laughs> well, getting back to this conversation with my wife, we're out there, we're having, we're having uh, uh, lunch and we just start talking about the Lord. Lord just starts showing up. And what happens often when the Lord shows up in our, in our times together, my wife often just begins to get words for people around us all the time. She'll just be like, this person's doing that. And she'll look around the room and, oh, I, you know, I hear what God's saying over him and this and that. And there was this one uh, person that really got, our, that got her attention. And um, we were in, like, the, um, the area that was you could see the bar. And so she's like, the bartender, uh, there's a call of business on his life. I was like, that's awesome. Hey, let's grab him when, like, when he walks by and let's share that with him. So, so the bartender walks by, I don't know, a couple minutes later, and uh, you know, we just put our food down. Uh, how many of you know we didn't have Bethel worship going on our phones or anything? We weren't, our Bibles weren't open. You know, no one was preaching. There wasn't an offering plate being passed around. There was no communion being given. We were just, we were just having lunch, and Jesus begins to show up. He comes over and... and uh, we said, hey, hey, what's going on, man? Um, we got a question for you. And she asked him, um, do you feel called to business in any way? I just really see that, that, that God has a real calling on your life towards that area. Um, does that resonate with you? And he just kind of stopped and he was like, what? Like, what do you mean? And she was just like, yeah, I feel like God has a call to business on your life. And he goes, I'm in marketing. I'm in business school. I'm a marketing major this is what I'm going after with my life. I actually just moved here just for this. We just began to minister to him and talk to him. You know, Jesus wants to show up at your dinners probably more than you're aware. He wants to show up in your workplace with your neighbors more than we're aware. So how do we walk to be naturally supernatural? Give me five minutes and we'll close. You guys okay? Jesus, how many of you know, Jesus is our perfect example of life and ministry. Okay, he perfectly sets the example. He was the carpenter. He was the carpenter. He was Joseph and Mary's son, but he was a carpenter and he was also God's son. He was a man fully alive and dependent and relying on the Holy Spirit. 
that Jesus was the, the carpenter in blue jeans that people recognized. They actually knew him already before he was filled with the Spirit of God. And then what did Jesus do? Jesus, being totally dependent on the Holy Spirit, did all of his miracles, all of the signs and wonders. Everything we see Jesus do in his ministry, he did being a man completely reliant on the Holy Spirit. Did you know he didn't do it as God? He actually did it as man, perfectly partnering and being relying, reliant on the Holy Spirit. We see that Jesus didn't do any miracles before he was baptized. It's just not in there. There's really only one account of Jesus, and, and he's in, uh, you know, speaking with the teachers of the law, but we don't see any miracles. We don't see signs and wonders until he's baptized. And it actually says in the scriptures that Jesus began his ministry when he was 30. It was when he was baptized that, that something began to shift and change. So open up your Bibles. I want to read you the baptism of Jesus. It's a short passage here in Luke 3. Luke 3, verse 21 through 23. It says this. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. It says, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, who I love. With you I am well pleased. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son of John, and so was thought of Joseph, the son of Pilate. And it goes through uh, a, a, um, uh, a lineage. What I want to bring to light here is that it was that the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus that he actually launched into his ministry. It says this in John 2. Jesus performed the first miracle of turning water into wine. It says that Jesus performed this, the first of his signs at Canaan and Galilee. Thus, he revealed his glory and his disciples began to believe in him. That we see that Jesus is anointed and baptized with the Holy Spirit and begins to move in his ministry. That Jesus, as our model, he just didn't do things as God. He did things as man, relying on the Holy Spirit. If he healed people as God, then you and I don't have much to give as far as ministry. Did you know that? And you're not God's son or daughter begotten. That if he was operating as God, then you and I, we don't have, as man, have an opportunity to imitate him. We can only worship him. But moving as a man relying on the Holy Spirit, now we have an opportunity to imitate him. Does this make sense? It says in Ephesians 5, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. That we haven't been given an assignment that we can't fulfill. That when we look at the life of Jesus, it was a life of a man totally reliant and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Living naturally supernatural is us being dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Why does this change things? Because Jesus, it was by the Spirit that he healed the sick. It was by the Spirit that Jesus moved in supernatural gifts. How many of you guys have read stories where Jesus is at dinner and he's beginning to just read everyone's mind? I don't know if you ever noticed that. But a lot of times people don't talk to Jesus, but he responds to what they're thinking. That Jesus moves in supernatural gifts. Jesus heals the sick. That it says he went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. For God was with him. The Holy Spirit was with him. This begins to change the paradigm for us as believers. How do we live naturally, supernaturally? 
Did you know any child relying on the Holy Spirit might be able to heal the sick just like Jesus did? Did you know any teenager relying on the Holy Spirit might see someone deliver from a demon just like Jesus did? Did you know any adult relying on the Holy Spirit might see powerful miracles just as Jesus did? That our invitation to live naturally supernatural is not to have all the right buzzwords and catchphrases and the coolest Sheikah Baba spiritual language, although I'm into that. Like, I lead a ministry school. I'm just telling you right now, it's to be dependent and reliant upon the Holy Spirit. That all of you get to play. We're all qualified because of what Jesus has done for us at the cross, making the Holy Spirit available. Did you know that it was actually the Holy Spirit who empowered Jesus to go to the cross? That everything he did was under the unction, the leading of the Holy Spirit. It says this in Hebrews 9.14, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God to cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? That it was actually through the Spirit that he endured the cross. It was through the Spirit that he forgave his oppressors while he's on a cross. That everything he did was through the Spirit. Everything he did was with partnership with the Holy Spirit. I have a friend of mine who has a, he had a kindergartner. He's a little bit older now. And he's in kindergarten in a public school. How many of you know they need Jesus in the public school system? Now here's a kindergartner. Here's a kindergartner. In, in his class, playing around, and he saw someone who was really sad, one of his, one of his students, his, his, his friends. And he goes up to him and he says, do you want to accept Jesus? Because I think you really need Jesus in your life. And this, this, this boy is like, what do you mean? And he just shares the gospel with him. He said, this is what I mean. Jesus went to the cross, and he actually wants to come and, and be with you right now that he wants you to know him, and that you don't have to be sad anymore. Do you want to turn your life over to Jesus? Kindergartner, kindergartner. And the boy says, yes. So he says, okay, close your eyes. Close his eyes. I want you to say, Jesus, I'm sorry for living life my way. And Jesus, I want to live life your way now. And the boy closes his eyes and accepts Jesus. He lays hands on him. And, 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 and praise for him. And then they went back to playing. You know, when, when the kindergartner shared this testimony, he actually said, I knew it was probably an inconvenient time, but I just really felt Jesus was there for him. <laughs> How many of you know Jesus will show up at an inconvenient moment? That's about being available to his presence. That it was by the Spirit he healed the sick. It was by the Spirit he moved in supernatural gifts. It was by the Spirit that Jesus forgave his oppressors. And it is by the Spirit that we are led as sons and daughters, just like Jesus. How are you guys doing? That living naturally supernatural isn't about doing church a certain way. It's actually about making Jesus available to those around us that you don't have to have the right lingo, the right prayer life, 
You know, a friend of mine, uh, one of our students at CSSM, she just graduated, and when she was really pursuing God and growing in God, she was really intimidated to pray because she just felt like she didn't know how to pray good words and like big words. How many of you have been intimidated by the way other people pray? You're like, man, you're good at praying, you know? And you're like, go to God, you're like, God, it's me again. Sorry about that. (laughs) Jesus, how many of you know he loves your prayer life? He loves your words. And this was someone that was going to God and she was, she literally would look up in the dictionary big words because she was trying to figure out how to pray and she just figured God is like into big words. So she began to study the dictionary for big words and then would go to God and pray these big words. And fast forward, she's at a youth camp and someone comes in with a prophetic word for her and she told no one about this. And this person came in and said, I have a word for you. God says you don't need to use big words when you pray anymore. And she was like, what? (laughs) That you don't have to put on a persona of who you're not in order to impress a God who already knows who you are. That living naturally supernatural is an invitation to be the most authentic version of you by being completely reliant on the Holy Spirit in your life. Are you guys doing okay? I'm going to close with this story. This is a pastor out in, in the UK. His name's, uh, we'll just call him, his name's Mike, so Pastor Mike. He said, I have a friend named Sam Miller who has faithfully served the inner city of, of Birmingham for 20 years. There have been both joys and sorrows, good days and bad days, as he has sought to introduce the unchurched young people to Jesus. This past June, Sam was walking through a park, and when he noticed a man sitting alone on a bench, Uh, And as he was passing by, Sam sensed the Lord say, his name is Daniel, and he feels as though he is in a prison from which he can't escape. I want you to tell him that I love him and want to rescue him from his prison. In fear and trembling, Sam went over to the guy, introduced himself, and asked him if his name was Daniel. The guy responded aggressively with a no. Sam was really deflated, but decided that he may as well tell the guy the second part of what he thought the Lord told him. At this time, when he shared with Daniel, with this man who was supposed to be named Daniel, about what the Lord loved him and wanted to free him from his prison, he said the man began to weep and told Samuel that his name was actually Daniel and that he lied because he was freaked out that Samuel knew his name. He also said that he was sitting on the bench preparing to commit suicide. This man winds up giving his life to Jesus and getting saved and set free. I love these stories about the availability and the nearness of God, that he can wear you and your personality like a glove, that you don't have to be someone you're not, you don't have to rally to to a spiritual frenzy in order for the Lord to move. You can be you, and he still wants to show up every day. In, In Luke 4, It says that Jesus returned in Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. Verse 15 says he was teaching in synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up and read the scroll, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and set the oppressed free. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled. 
This is the way the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. He's announcing, listen, I'm not doing this on my own. I'm doing this because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it lists the anointings that Jesus had. How many of you know it's so important that we include things that Jesus includes when it comes to the mission of God on the earth? You know, Jesus was actually, he was threatened by the religious people around him, and they accused him of hanging out with sinners. They accused him of hanging out with people of ill repute, and Jesus never once denied it. In fact, Jesus began to make his very disciples those that the society didn't want, those that religious circles deemed, you're not religious enough for our circle, the tax collectors, the sinners, the fishermen. How many of you know fishermen generally flunked out of rabbi school? That's why they become fishermen. Jesus takes the failures. Jesus takes the marginalized. Aren't you glad Jesus takes the failures and marginalized? And he just begins to make them someone new. And it's for his glory. It's actually, your, the, the level of your unqualification qualifies you more for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Your level of, I'm not schooled, I'm not educated, I didn't grow up in church, you don't know what I've done, actually qualifies you to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And those are the ones that Jesus is looking for. He brings good news to the poor. You know, one of our central missions as a church is we have to include the poor in the expression of the kingdom of God. This is why we do things like support the Normandy Project, the marginalized. This is why we support the Burgess House of Hope. We financially support these causes. This is why we financially support the Share Mission. It's a ministry that connects other churches around the, around the city to meet the needs of areas. This is why we, we financially support, as a church, Victory Missions that gives groceries and food to those in need. That there's something powerful about remembering that when we walk around naturally supernatural, there's going to be expressions of the kingdom that are going to be demanded from us. They're going to be, you're going to be having that, that brunch with your spouse who doesn't even celebrate the day you're celebrating, and Jesus shows up. <laughs> you're going to be at a party. You're going to be at a, at a birthday party, and you're just trying to focus on is there enough food, and there's going to be a prompting by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is going to show up. We become naturally supernatural when we, in our natural selves, respond to the supernatural that's available to us right now. It says at the cross, did you know this? That it says Jesus, when he breathed his last breath, it says he let out a, he let out a loud groan. When he released his spirit. Did you know some scholars believe that is the wind that went and tore the veil? That it says in that moment, the veil was torn, that he let out that wind, and the veil was now torn. The symbolic picture of man and God being disconnected is now torn. And it later says in Acts 2 that the Spirit has been poured out upon all flesh in these last days. Did you know that? That we walk around every day in those moments, that business meeting, when you're just going to get a sense of God's heart. You're, you're fired up. Someone did something wrong. And, you know, inside of you, you're percolating. Am I only speaking to me? Okay, that's fine. You know, you can repent later before the Lord. It's totally fine. You're fired up. You're a little bit frustrated. All of a sudden, this wind of, of peace just invades your heart. You're now moving supernaturally. It's these moments with the Holy Spirit in our everyday life 
that position us to show the world that God is good, that he's approachable. So how do we have more of the Holy Spirit? The, the, the thing I want to close with and leave you with is this, is Luke 11. There's, there is a way to get more of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to know? It is the secret formula that is made known and available to all. It says this in Luke 11, 9. So I, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who... who Ask receives, the one who seeks find, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks you for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? It's not a secret equation. It's just simply us asking, and he says, you will receive more of the Holy Spirit. Why don't you guys stand? You know, in a room this size, I look around the room, all these people in the room, all of us have a unique expression of carrying the presence of God. Some of you are the laughers during movies. Some of you are the still contemplative inside enjoyment of his presence. But all of you are qualified to express and demonstrate the kingdom of God. So right now, what I want to do is if you want to live that naturally supernatural life where God gets to wear you like a glove and doesn't have to dress you to be someone that you're not, I want you to just open up your hands right now. And what I want to do is just ask Holy Spirit. I'm just going to ask Holy Spirit for myself. But if you want more, I want you to just ask Holy Spirit right now while your heart is just tender and, and, and recognizing his presence. I want you to just ask him for more. There's a promise here that says the Holy Spirit will be given to those who ask. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you right now that, God, that you're a good God. Lord, we thank you right now that you're available to us. Jesus, we thank you right now that the more we ask, the more we know you, the more we can develop a relationship with you, Jesus. God, we thank you right now. We just thank you right now. For, for, for that outpouring of your spirit in inconvenient moments, Lord. And we just say yes ahead of time. We just say yes ahead of time to being a fool for you. We say yes ahead of time to taking the risks with you, Jesus. We say yes ahead of time, Lord, to every invitation that you're putting in our pathway to release your kingdom and your glory, God. And we thank you, Jesus, that every time that we obey, we get to have intimacy with you in a new way. Lord, we thank you that our reward is more of your presence. Holy Spirit, we thank you, God, for the destiny that you put in front of us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work you put before us to complete with you. Jesus, we thank you that you're calling us to be radical versions of us and you, of me and you, of me fully filled with all of you. God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, and we just ask for more right now. We just ask for more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're just going to wait on the Lord a moment. Just lean into him right now. We just thank you, Holy Spirit.
is thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. As Roger was sharing, I just saw the Lord opening up your, some, some of your minds. That if you feel like I've been reading the Bible and I feel like I'm reading an instruction manual for a VCR, I, I feel like the Lord is just releasing a grace over you right now. There's just a grace to encounter him in the word. So I just release that right now. You know, Roger carries that anointing, and as he was sharing, I just saw that in the Spirit just landing on people. Just an intimacy with the Holy Spirit through the Word. We just thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God. Yeah, and, and I just particularly, if there's any youth here, um, can I have our youth just come forward? So what I mean by that, if you're, you know, we'll just say 20 and below, can you just come forward right now? I know this is like, the, this is like your nightmare as a youth, I get it, believe me. But I'm just going to have you guys come forward, and um, I'm gonna, I want our ministry teams to come forward right now, and, and I would love our ministry teams just to lay hands. Uh, I just feel like the Lord has something he's releasing over them, that there is a freedom to be had for you. There's not a religious invitation for you.